Our first budget is on page 198. Oh, friend, this is an alien country. Why are you so <clears throat> attached to it, oh, friend? All those who come here have to go. No one remains here, neither king nor emperor. Life is like the shadow of the tree, oh, friend. This is the shelter for a few days. All the relations are false. No one is yours. Satguru made you understand this, O oh friend. By doing Simran, make your mind understand. Apologize to the master for your faults. Why did you forget the name of the giver, O oh friend? Catch hold of Guru Kirpal's shelter. O oh Ajayb, swim across the ocean of life. This world is false, false is Maya, O oh friend. O oh friend, this is an alien country. Why are you so attached to it, O oh friend? sajna <clears throat> Tu piare kyo e na paya oe sajna Ete desha paraya oe sajna Tu piare kyo e na paya oe sajna Puraya we sajna Aya joete sabne turajana Aya joete sabne turajana Rena naete Rajarana Rena Naete Koi Rajarana Jindagi Varashadi Chaya Vesajana Jindagi Varashadi Chaya Sajna Tum Pyare Kyo Ena Paya Oe Sajna Ete Desha Puraya Oe Sajna Tum Pyare Kyo Sabanate, 
second bhajan is on page 115. O oh friends, my beautiful Satguru is Kirpal. He is merciful on the poor. I was separated for so many births and was searching for the dearly beloved. May I meet the perfect master so that I may go across. Now I have got the husband, the emperor, who takes care of me. O oh, friends, wandering from door to door, I became very crazy. I did not get any knower of the heart. No one heard my plea, O oh, friends. Now I have got my beloved, the support of my heart, the treasure of Shabd. I did the practices of water, performing the austerities, and bathed in the places of pilgrimage. I worshipped in the temples, and holy places, but no one shared the pain. O oh, friends, my beloved has come and has put me on the path and makes me see him. Listen, O oh, beloved Kirpal, make everyone have the beautiful darshan. The life of a jayab is full of bad qualities. Take him across. O oh, friends, the true saint has come. My husband has come, and he loves me. O oh, friend, my beautiful Satguru is Kirpal, he is merciful on the poor. Satguru sona mera hai kirpal ni se yo din deal ni se yo Satguru sona mera hai kirpal ni se yo Hey, 
Beautiful Satguru is Kirpal. He is merciful on the poor. The group has returned and four people have said they would be willing to share with us. So if maybe in this order, Jeanette and Andy and Richard and Jack would come up. if we would be able to make a connecting flight after all to, um, to Frankfurt as the flight that we'd been scheduled for had been canceled. We were all waiting and a dear one told me a story that I thought was um, in a way symbolic of, of the path and a little bit of the whole trip. There was a king who at his court had a perfect master. And the king decided he wanted to marry a princess who was in love with a handsome young prince. So the king requested that the master help him to win the love of the princess from the prince. And the master said, well, there's no problem. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. The master became involved in preparing the food of the prince. And in very small dosage, he ad administered a poison that the prince ate every day. And after a couple of months, it became apparent that the form of the prince had become quite emaciated. And the princess looked at him one day, finally noticing the difference, and realized that she had been in love with his form and that she was not in love with him anymore. And so the king was able to marry the princess, after all, and was very happy. And as this dear one was telling me this story, I was thinking, well, this is a story of the masters, and no matter what happens, everything turns out wonderfully for everybody, because the master 
is all love, and the Master comes to give love to every person and every being. I was also thinking what an odd story this would be if someone who was not on the path had heard it, because what an odd idea, one goes to a perfect Master and he ends up poisoning somebody, and it seemed like kind of an odd path to get onto. And this idea of appearances being so deceiving is one that has, I've experienced a lot on this path. I think in the real world also, the so-called real world also, but very much on this path. And um, sometimes hearing something or experiencing something the Master gives me or suggests to me at an initial undertaking, it may be difficult, and yet once I turn it and realize it's a master who's asking me to do something or who's giving me something, I realize that what he's offering me is prashad always. And every experience in this trip was like that. Um, it was a, a trip of integrating many different parts of myself um, in terms of this path, in terms of parts that I thought had not been connected to the path, parts of my past from before I was initiated from many uh, separate areas. And Sanji had a beautiful way of bringing up different experiences, different moments, and making them all appear as prashad, even before I had been initiated by him. And as a dear one said to me, the Master comes to make us whole, that at certain times we may seem like we're a square, and other times like a circle, perhaps at other times like a triangle. And, and his purpose, one of them, is just to make all of these seemingly different shapes um, blend into each other, seem connected. And so the long, the long journey, the day, uh, rather the evening in New York was seen as, um, as a blessing to learn more about myself relating to the Master, of being patient, of introspecting and wondering if um, I had been lacking in preparation. Perhaps that was why Master was creating the delay. I think that was one of the reasons, one of the thoughts that many of us had. Maybe we didn't have enough yearning and the Master was making a stay in New York to develop that. Then when we got to London and uh, made our brief stay over there a couple of hours and we're back on the plane and it was announced, um, I guess about a half an hour out of London that the plane had to make a very quick landing as soon as possible, 15 minutes. Um, in 15 minutes we would be in Frankfurt and we were all asked to deplane as quickly and quietly as possible. As the previous delay had been due to a bomb threat, we all knew that this delay was also caused by that. Everyone was very peaceful and very calm, um, trusting that whatever happened was in the will of the Master and that whatever happened would turn out fine. And so the ten fire engines, the uh, bomb detonators and their seemingly astronaut suits, um, the soldiers with their machine guns, all the different buses, the trips, 
from where the plane was landed to the airport and the almost 12 hour stay in Frankfurt was not a difficulty for me. Um, I hope very much it wasn't for others because for me it was just one more blessing from the Master, preparing more to be with him, um, a chance to learn more about Master's Grace working in the other dear ones, hearing their stories, seeing how we all had to wait and be patient. It was definitely a lesson in patience and, well, one that I need to learn, be reminded of quite often. Then, for a while, we thought that we would have to stay in Delhi an extra day because there was a difficulty getting the visas cleared, and Papu was under the impression that um, an extra trip to one government official would be required to clear the visas again. And yet he communicated through Judith to Richard, who was the group leader, that a miracle had occurred and that there was a, a holiday. We would not be required to stay the extra day to clear the visas. So finally we boarded the uh, bus, um, having left Boston, I guess, on Monday and arriving in Rajasthan Friday afternoon. And as we were pulling close to the ashram, someone said, well, we're almost there. And I thought to myself, well, yes, we're almost there, but we're not quite there. And a few moments later, the bus started to fall off into the ditch. And so, um, in order to get off the bus, we had to lean to the opposite side and one by one get out of the door that was leaning into the bus and therefore kind of trickle into the ashram. Uh, during the afternoon meditation with Sanchi. And actually it was very beautiful approaching the ashram in the afternoon by foot. As we arrived inside, uh, the little girl that Sanchi is so fond of, Supal, came up to me and said, Sanchi's in the meditation room and he's doing Simran. And she got this big smile on her face. And I thought that was such a sweet, sweet welcoming. And indeed it was. Getting in there, seeing the master, being very quiet, doing the meditation. A great sense that he had been with us all along, as of course he had been. When the meditation was over, he said that um, to the dear ones who had just arrived from the East Coast, we should realize that everything that happened to us was in our fate, was in our karma. And he would pray to Masters Kripal and Sawan that the time we had spent journeying from Delhi to Rajasthan, we had left at four in the morning, would be counted in the court of the Lord as part of our med meditation as we had arrived one day late to the program in Rajasthan. And that of course, was a very beautiful blessing from him. And then he added, well, and now that you're here, you're probably tired, and so you shouldn't get up at 3 a.m. tonight either. And I was just shaking my head in astonishment, feeling that at every step, every difficulty was turned into a blessing by the Master. 
this um, this trip, in a way, was in many ways was extremely different. It was uh, the most joyous time I had ever felt with the master. Um, as I mentioned, it was a time to integrate many disjoint parts of my life, and it was a time to see the master as a God-man on this earth. When I had been in Rajasthan before, I had felt very compelled to be as quiet as possible and not interact with um, the other satsangis, not observe the daily life of the sevadars, and try and be as quiet as possible. And that was very beautiful when I left. Um, I had a very strong feeling of preserving what the Master had given me. But it had also left me a feeling of the Master on one hand and the world on the other hand. And so this time there was very much a sense of the Master everywhere, all of the time. As I said, Supal, the little girl coming up, um, that was a beautiful interaction, just this little messenger from the Master a very sweet human and not-so-human um, gift from the Master. And the whole time was like that. Instead of separating my life here at the ashram from my experience, in Rajasthan, Sanchi incorporated um, many aspects. Um, interacting with Supal occurred a number of times as interacting with her little sister, and it reminded me of being with Catherine and Irene Gill, very sweet dear ones here. Um, there was a dear one in the group who, for whom the journey had been very difficult. As I mentioned, it was a long journey. This person felt a lot of disorientation at, at times, and also a lot of clarity and amazing insight into the path, and that reminded me of um, a number of moments being with, with Gerald here. Um, in the first satsang that Sanchi gave, he said, and actually every satsang, every question and answer, every bhajan session, the um, underground room talk, every subject was about love. And the whole time, Sanchi was just smiling and joyous, lighthearted, consistent. Every time I saw him, there was an amazing consistency and a steadiness. There were not days of feeling uh, incredible euphoria one day, perhaps incredible puzzlement another day. Um, at times, despair, it wasn't like that at all. By the fourth day, I was realizing that, in a way, I felt like it was still the first day, because whether I woke up in the morning or was with Sanji um, during the langar line, or in the evening preparing to go to sleep or lying in bed for hours awake at night or meditating, there was still this feeling of, extraordinary peace and consistency and ever-flowing love from him. And as I said, every time he spoke, it was that message as well. The first satsang he gave, he said that the masters take care of everything. 
They take care of all of the animals. The master knows the need of each animal on the earth, each bird in the sky, each satsangi, each human being, every creature in the universe. God is aware of his every his and her every single need, and is giving, fulfilling those needs before the dear soul is even aware of what their needs are. And this message was just repeated over and over and over again. And there was a sense of no need to be concerned over structure in the sense of finding limits in things or, or wondering if uh, one is doing enough work in a certain area or needing to, to stretch more, to search more, because the Master is aware of everything, that in a way there are no limits, that the structure that we see, or that I see at least, is, um, is there because of an image that I may create, or that may be from many past lives that makes me look at the world in a certain way that in fact is not the way the world really is. This was greatly exemplified by um, several meditations, one with a master and one um, very early in the morning, although there were others as well in which uh, in the first one there was a dear one who was quite agitated and was rocking in a very pronounced way back and forth for most of the um, meditation with Sanchi, making a fair amount of noise. And during several times of the meditation, I was wondering why this master wasn't um, stopping this from happening, because I know the person fairly well, and I know the person was suffering, and I couldn't understand why the Master wasn't interfering to relieve that person's burden and also to, to make some response to us about, or to me, about the suffering of um, dear ones. And after the session, Sanchi looked at the dear one with a lot of compassion and sympathy. And then he just burst out laughing. And he laughed and laughed just sort of recognizing that all of us were, um, in a way, in a mess, focusing on something that we should not have been focusing on, that we should have been only doing our sermon, only remembering the, the Master, and realized that everything was in his hands, and his control. In another meditation session, this dear one had um, a vision and thought the Master was indicating that um, this dear one should leave at one o'clock. And so the dear one uh, was flash moving her flashlight across the room, saying, is it one o'clock, is it one o'clock? Turning to people, asking them what time it was. I had my shawl um, over me like this, and the dear one was like going all up and down my knees and my legs and shaking my feet and moving the shawl up and shaking my arms and just saying, my shoes, where are my shoes? Have you seen my shoes? And the whole time, by this time I had a little sense of, all right, 
don't panic, don't worry, everything's all right, it's all in the master's hands. So I sat there very quietly, calmly, I amazed myself with how calm I was, thinking, this is just amazing, but it's all right, because it's all in the master's hands. Several other Derwins came up to this person to um, see if they could help the person find the shoes or leave the meditation room as it was quite disruptive to everyone in the hall. One person even offered to go get the shoes, left, came back, told the dear one where the shoes were and offered to escort the dear one to accompany the shoes and the, this person said, oh, no, thank you, that's all right, I can find them just fine by myself. And it was just amazing the way in so many incidences, although these meditation sessions magnified this incident, how the master uh, showed me that there are many situations that are seemingly incomprehensible on this path or in this world, but in fact are quite opposite to what the theories of the master may be, or what he even enjoins us to do, but that in fact are all part of his will, and that he is, is always taking care of every single situation. And it made it, uh, all of these incidents made it much easier to just let go and realize that whatever happening was for everybody's benefit. And that I think at times, of course, that was hard to, to feel completely, and yet it was true. Um, in one of the question and answers, the dear one asked how they can interact with other people, satsangis or worldly people, because they feel compelled to to try and be quiet or to try and follow a, a way of living that isn't perhaps always the way of worldly people. And the Master said that whatever we think, um, whatever we say, should not take us away from the third eye. That we should always be aware of the effect of whatever we say or think will have on others and that we should always be considerate of the feelings of others. And in a number of satsangs, in question and answers, Sanchi spoke a lot about feelings and about the love of the Master, that it's not um, something nebulous or something that one experiences in terms of meditating, but that it is a very real, concrete, moment-by-moment -moment experience, a feeling. In the bhajan sessions, Sanchi was very enthusiastic, very encouraging, and um, I love singing bhajans. In fact, when sitting before Sanchi, not just during the bhajan sessions, but during all the sessions, I was so happy that it was very hard for me to think of the lines to incorporate in my life the lines of the bhajans that were saying, um, I'm terrible, I'm a sinner, life is destitute. And I was thinking, I feel terrific, it's wonderful. I, 
everything is fantastic. And this feeling carried over um, many, many times, even in the evening when um, Sanji came on the rooftop, and at times I would feel tired, and uh, it was difficult to muster up the enthusiasm to sing bhajans that I wanted to, to bring forth. And one evening, I was thinking to myself, now you have to sing, you just have to sing. I said, no, I'm too tired, I'm too tired. Open your mouth, just sing, you have to, the master is here. No, I can't. So just open your mouth. And so I just opened my mouth and started singing. And this incredible amount of energy and love for the master and from the master came into me. And it just made me realize that the master has so many different ways of showering grace on us. One is through darshan, one is through hearing his discourses, seeing the beautiful videos, and one is through the, the bhajans, and some of these forms of grace are outer, like most direct giving darshan to us, but other ways are by bringing his grace from within us and bringing it out of us. And there was this very real feeling that the grace that comes from singing the bhajans and that love that comes is as strong as the darshan that the master gives to us, that whether he's giving us something from himself and we see him as outside of ourselves, whether he brings something from within us, and in fact he is within us, that it's always the same, and that the degree and the intensity varies according to how much we, we allow that to, to come out. Um, there was a very, very beautiful bhajan talk that he gave, and I'd like to read an excerpt from this. The Shabbat form of the Master is within us. And when we sing the bhajans, it is like we are singing in front of that Shabbat form of the Master. It is one of the best ways of expressing our love and devotion to the Master. And it is one of the best ways of asking for the forgiveness of the Master. It is the very high grace of the saints who have written these bhajans, which we can sing in adoration of the Master. There is no way we can create and we can develop the love, and there is no way we can truly express the love which we have. But since the Masters are full of love, they are the ocean of love, and that is why whatever they see, whatever they write in their writings, they try to share a little bit of the love they have with us, and that also they do not do it in full capacity. They only do it in a very little, a very little quantity. But still, this is one of the best ways of expressing your love for the masters. When we sing their writings, when we talk about them, and when we read their writings, we are receiving their love, which they have put in their writings, because love is something which cannot be expressed, because it is a thing which our soul has to feel. Kabir was asked, what is the taste of love? Kabir replied only this, 
He said that Kabir says, it is like the dumb man eating the sugar. He cannot express that which he is feeling. Regarding the love Guru Nanak has given one example, that it is like the love of a newly married girl that, feel, that she feels or gets from her husband. When her friends ask her that what kind of love she got from her husband, she just bows down her head and smiles because she is not in position to say what kind of love she has got from her husband. Love is such a thing it can only be felt. There is no worldly thing that can define the love. All the definitions are incomplete, but still, the masters give us some worldly example through their writings, their talks, and when we sit in their company, when we share and experience the time in their company, they give us a little bit of the idea of knowing that kind of what love really is. As I mentioned, the satsangs were mostly about love also. Um, there was a very amazing, for me at least, example that Sanji gave. He said, one day Moses came up to God and said, you have a very tough job and I would like to relieve you of your job. Why don't you take a day off? And God said, dear one, this is a very difficult job that only God can do and that is of taking care of the universe. And Moses said, yes, but it's a very difficult job and you, you really must need some rest, so why don't you take the day off and, and I'll tend to things for you. God said, dear one, this really is the job that only God can do. But then finally he said, all right. I will let you do this job for one day. And so Moses went about the universe dispensing grace to every creature, almost every creature that he found. And at the end of the day, he came back and God said, well, how did you do? And Moses said, well, I gave grace to every creature, every human that I met except one. And that was because I met one man in a graveyard who was molesting a dead body. And God said, Dear one, you see, that is the difference between you and God. God gives grace to everyone, whether that person or that creature deserves it or not. God knows the needs of every creature, and he is constantly giving grace to everyone. And as I remembered afterwards, I thought, my gosh, that was such a strong example. And yet, like every other thing that Sanji said, it was so full of love. It was so gentle and so, so reassuring that it seemed very common sense and, and very gentle. Well, it struck me especially strong because one of the things that I was doing while in, in Rajasthan was making videos for the groups of the satsangs and 
question and answers. And after one darshan session, I was coming through the Indian courtyard and holding the video. Um, I was walking backwards and Sanchi was in front of me. And this was a way that I usually didn't do it. I usually went to the side and sometimes was behind some of the other satsangis. But I never stayed in front of Sanchi. During this one time, um, I was going and my slippers started to get loose and come off. And as I was walking, I was thinking, my slipper, my slippers. And I couldn't, there was nothing that I could do to keep it on without stopping the video, reaching down and putting it on my foot. And I thought, within a few seconds, I was thinking, no, I can't do that, I can't stop the video. And so I let my slipper go off. And yet I was so horrified because it was in the line of Sanchi. I was thinking, my God, what if he slips? What if he falls on this slipper? And I was so horrified, I couldn't even look at him. I just looked at Papu, who was beside him, to try and figure out, well, is Sanchi going to fall? Is this going to be all right? And so Papu just kind of looked down and smiled and made me realize that it was not an obstruction for Sanchi. But it was such an incredibly powerful experience because afterwards I realized that that example from the satsang of Moses finding the man in the graveyard molesting the body, I thought there are so many things that happen to us, that happen to me, that seem difficult to to understand or difficult to be forgiving of. And yet here was a very minor thing that, well, not minor, but a very, a thing that was very unintentional that I was doing to the Master, putting something, an obstruction in his path. And it made me realize that all of the things that happen to us, no matter how gigantic they may appear to be, or how small they are, are minuscule compared to what we may bring to the Master, or what I may bring to the Master, and, and how He graciously covers that, and or gently pushes it aside. When the session was over, and we were at the foot of the stairs, and Sanchi goes up to his room, he just looked at me with so much love and so much compassion, like the slipper hadn't even gotten in his way and nothing had happened, and, and everything was fine. But that image was very strong and it, it remained with me, and I hope will always remain with me. During the underground room talk, he was as jolly and sweet as uh, laughing as he could be. In fact, it was hard for me to even be able to focus the camera on him because I was feeling so much joy from him that I just kept thinking, now don't start laughing. You can't stop laughing. No matter what you do, don't start laughing. And yet that was all that I wanted to do because the Master's love was so strong during that talk. And he talked about the importance of satsang, the, the love that the Master shower on all of the disciples. 
he gave a very beautiful example, the story of a, of a queen who was initiated to and married to a king who didn't want her to go to satsang. And yet she was very drawn to satsang and she would uh, sneak away at night. And the king caught on to this, that she was going away, and he followed her and took one of her slippers uh, while she was in satsang. And when she got back and discovered what had happened, she was very worried because she felt, uh, according to the laws of the land, that anything, perhaps even death, could uh, be given to her. And so she was quite concerned, but um, when she got back and her husband asked her, where she had been, she denied going to satsang, and yet he gave her, he said, well, here is the slipper, here's the proof, and she said, no, I have both of my slippers, and it was, of course, the Master's grace that he gave her the extra, he gave her that missing slipper, and I, again, this was just one more example throughout the entire trip and of the of being on this path of no matter what adversity occurs, the Master turns that adversity into prashad, not just for, for us, but for everybody who is involved in the incident. As we got on the bus, Sanchi said to us, I congratulate you on your good fortune, as today is the day Master Kripal came into this world. And it was a very sweet goodbye, um, a very sweet reminder to those of us initiated by the form, by the nam form of Sanchi, that it is our good fortune to be initiated by him and his beautiful humility by reminding of us of Kripal and of, of Sawan, and, but never mentioning the, the grace that he showers to us through his form which is very real. Thank you. Well, I, th um, I feel a little duped right now because uh, two things for two reasons. Um, this morning when I woke up, I had decided that that um, maybe I would talk. And, and I, so I sat down and wrote down a bunch of notes in my notebook um, because it's usually very helpful for me to have them, not usually very good on, on uh, uh, freewheeling it. And also, at the time, I had experienced um, an incredible amount of joy, and, uh, and as I have been ever since I got back and sort of have been on a roll. Um, and then I got here, and I was uh, still on that roll and sat down, and suddenly I realized that number one, I had forgotten my notebook and um, that I wasn't quite sure and couldn't quite remember all the details that I had that I wanted to say. And then I think, and then the other part of it was that suddenly um, the joy had somehow disappeared. And I think that, um, and the, uh, the part that line in Hoyo Sukuoli about life is destitute, I think that part and that reality sort of had come back to me somewhat again. Um, 
And a lot of the trip <clears throat> for me was about that. There, since there's a, just a little bit of time, I'll just talk about very briefly about two, <clears throat> two aspects of the trip that stood out. And one was something that was said um, in my interview that I can share with you, and also something that coincided with something in the underground room, as well as um, a response to a question that someone had asked during one of the uh, question and answer times. Um, just sort of as a, a brief um, introduction for my trip, and um, that's important here in terms of uh, what I got out of the trip and what was very important for me this time. This last year has been particularly a difficult uh, uh, year for me, not so much in my personal life, but in, in working with my clients. And one of the things that was that there, I had experienced a lot of death around my clients. I had a young boy client um, who in the spring uh, died of AIDS. Uh, and during the summer, an elderly woman who was a, a musician, a musical director, and a, a person that I had a very strong connection with, um, died of liver cancer. And she was a very beautiful woman. And then um, in the fall, I had two colleagues and ex-clients and ex-students, they had been of ours in the past, had gone away, they were counselors, had gone away to a Caribbean island and were uh, brutally beaten, raped, and stabbed to death. And so I spent two months trying to deal with that. And somewhat at the end of all of that, I was left with a very strong um, sense of bitterness and a sense of wondering what this was all about and, and that kind of thing. And so much so that, you know, when I got to the end of the trip, even though it wasn't directly right, not to the end of the trip, but going to the trip, I was sort of beginning to make excuses about not going and, and uh, that kind of thing. And then having gone there and gone through all the all this stuff that we went through, 28 hours in New York and 12 hours in Frankfurt and the bus, the bus falling into one of the canal ditches and people being thrown and that kind of... By then, that was sort of like easy. This is nothing. <laughs> I can deal with this. But I think that what hit me the hardest and the most powerful this time is... And it's sort of this cutting edge kind of thing for me that that this thing that I used to think that um, a lot of the hardships and everything and things like that were blessings from the Master, and perhaps they are. But somehow this time it was a little bit of a different experience because there was such a marked difference in being in his presence. The joy and, and the peace was so unbelievable for me and it's still very difficult for me to sort of lay my hands on it. But during one of the question and answer times, uh, uh, one of the people asked a question about when we go over and when we die, will we, uh, what will it be like? Will we have families? Will we have uh, companions? And will we have ashrams? And will we have homes and this kind of thing? And he laughed and he, he said that from hearing from you people in this group about the difficulties that you're having with your husbands and the difficulties you're having with your wives and the difficulties you have with your families and the difficulties that you have at the ashrams. He said, I think that 
when, and the difficulties that you have with your body when you're growing old and the pains as it grows older and the problems you have to deal with, he said, I think that when you come to the time of your death, that you will not want to take any of these with you, that you will want to leave them here where they belong. And somehow that was a very powerful and very subtle thing for me in the way that I, and I have to say that this is my experience, the way that I took it. Suddenly for me, there was a real big difference between the world and between being with the master. And in my work, I deal, the clients that I see primarily are victims of sexual abuse and survivors of sexual abuse and rape and violence. So somehow there, the, the thing for me was that there was a big difference between the world and being with him. And suddenly the world has become, or maybe still is for me some ways, this thing that I just have to go through. And that the anger and the bitterness I had before about, well, you know, this world is something you, you go through all this hell, you go through all this pain, and then at the end you die. Kind of, that was my attitude before I went. Had completely turned around. And, and he had, in that question and answer period, come, somehow had made a joke. Uh, this was my experience again. It just sort of kind of a joke of the whole of this existence and and that on the other side he said that when you see each other that that you will recognize each other in a completely in a way that is very different than you will recognize each other here. And I remembered on another trip that he had said someday when you were all on the other side that you will look down and you will say that once we were in a land of love, once we were in a land that couldn't love, and it felt to me from that point on, and slightly before that, that being in his presence, I was just experiencing what I usually experience when I'm there. Ultimately, is an incredible amount of love, an incredible amount of happiness that soon seems to sort of disappear. And I do believe that he is that that love and that sweetness that we experience so purely and so in such a rare and raw form in his presence, that it exists everywhere, that he does exist everywhere. But I think that I have to say that it's my experience that, that in this world and in this life that that sweetness comes with a certain amount of bitterness and a certain amount of pain. And there's a psychologist that I know who says that transformation comes out of the pain and the promise. And I think that that's true. There's a lot of growth that happens. And the life that we experience is full of pain. And every time that we go to India, something happens that, or we sit in his presence, or even when we meditate for some of us, I suppose, that um, we experience the promise. And the promise is that, that there is such a thing as liberation, and that there is such a thing as freedom, and that there is such a thing as love. And when we're in his presence, it's not hidden. And it doesn't look like something else, and it doesn't feel like something else, that it is purely and clearly and nothing else but love. And for me, that was um, a very important part of the trip. Um, the other thing, um, very briefly, is sort of the other side of it, is that in, the, um, in my interview, I was... Uh, well, in the underground room, he was talking about that we should do, the satsangi should do only that which glorifies the master. And that every time he thinks 
He's ready to think or ready to do something that he should ask himself, will this glorify my master? And when I was in my private interviews, I asked about these bad habits and bad deeds, and he said that removing bad habits and bad deeds is doing justice to yourself. And this was sort of the other cutting edge, this sort of paradox that sort of for me, in terms of the master, that we can do whatever we want here um, in our lives. And, and as he says, we come there oftentimes with our faces black and we go to him and he still takes us in and he still loves us and he still washes away everything and sort of cleans us and sends us back out. And, and it was the message that the business of clearing up our bad habits and the business of, of removing those and not doing bad deeds is to do justice to ourselves. And that's a kind of dignity and integrity that, that we need to sort of think about and that the message I got from him was that that's all right to do, that it's all right and that it's also a very important thing for us to do is to, is to work on clearing up the bad habits and clearing up the bad deeds so that we at least do justice to ourselves. Um, it's very hard for me to describe what that means. It's a sense that I sort of have. It's a sense that I have when I work with people who come with whatever problems that I, I sense that and I feel that there's, a, there's an integrity there. There is a, there's a spirit there, there's a soul there, and if there's somehow that they could get reconnected to that, that everything would be all right. And it feels like, in a sense, that's what he's saying, that we do justice to ourselves, because in essence, we're souls. And we're not the body, we're not the mind, and we're not even uh, the thoughts and the words and the deeds that we do. And that everything that we do reflects upon us. And it's that we need to think about doing justice to ourselves. Um, that's, uh, I think that I'll stop there. And thank you very much. I don't have too many things that I want to say personally, but I had a number of excerpts that I thought might be, uh, well, they were things that made a difference to me when I was there, heard those particular parts of the satsangs, and they struck me. Perhaps they'll strike somebody else, too. The first one is... Uh, Well, the first one was going to be the bhajan talk that Jeanette read out, but I think and because of the time, I'll skip that. But I just want to mention that one again, talking about the love and, ex and experiencing it there with him. He would talk about it, how the love can't be described, it can't be put into words. And when the bride was asked, all she could do was bow her head and smile because the love can only be felt, and at the same time, looking at Sanchi, experiencing the love from him. I ask you to bear with me as I get to the to the next point. sitting in front of Sanchi, 
and feeling um, perhaps some of that destituteness in my life and sitting in front of him and having him shower the grace and feel like uh, he's waking something up inside of me was what happened in this section here. Gurusav says that it is like a, it is unbelievable and very incredible to see a dry tree becoming green again. But still, there is a hope for that. If God wants, He can even do that. And uh, our soul has also been like a dry wood, a dry tree, because it has not got the satsang for many ages, for many births. But when we get the satsang, then our soul also becomes clean, our soul also becomes alive. He says that, oh my beloved Lord, those who go in the satsang, they get the liberation. And uh, with the grace of the master, they get the highest status. And they become alive like the dry tree becomes clean in the same way. By going in the satsang, they also become alive. कहानी दसते हैं हिंदुस्तान के अंदर राधे महाराजा का काफी दिस नेक्स्ट सेक्शन इज फ्रॉम द अंडरग्राउंड रूम टॉक After he talked about the story of the king and the queen, she had, uh, when she found that her slipper was missing, she was worried about the name of her master. And in that worry, she asked the Sangat there to pray that he uh, help in the situation. And they all prayed, and then he, the slipper materialized. And it was... Uh, after that story, Sanchi talked about sincere prayer. And once again, that's something that was occurring to me at the time. <clears throat> and that's something that, uh, a lesson that I picked up, um, of being able to pray during worldly life to the, to the Master, to, um, to help me to live in His will as opposed to my trying to, to do the work, but to, to ask for his help in overcoming um, my inability to be in, in touch with him and to do things as he would wish. So when we pray to the Master with the sincerity and with all our with all our sincerity, then He always listens to our prayers and He always responds to our prayers and He always protects our honor. So this is the very place where I had made this sincere request, sincere prayer to my beloved Almighty Lord Kirpal 
when he had put his hands on my eyes and he had told me that you have to close your eyes from the world and you have to open your eyes in the within towards God. So at that time I had requested to him sincerely that you know that the forces of the negative power are very strong and everywhere the, the forces of the negative power are working and the effect of the negative power is also spread all over the world and it will be very difficult for me to do what you have asked me to do but I pray to you that always please keep me in your refuge and always continue showering grace on me and always give me your love and it is true that he replied he responded to that request that prayer and while he was alive he always kept he always gave me his love and even now he is continuing to shower his grace and he is giving me all his love because I had told him, as often I have told you also, that I was a devotee of love and he was the ocean of love. I wanted only the love from him and he gave me nothing but the love. Mac, I had told him, I had told him, as often I have told you also, that I was a devotee of love and he was the ocean of love. I wanted only the love from him and he gave me nothing but the love. मैं गुरु देव के आपके भजन व्यास नमस्कार कि मैं कुछ करता है नहीं मेरी ये सच्चे गुरु के मैं कतीला हूँ तो पहाड़ हूँ मैं कतरा है तो समुद्र है मैं पापी है तो बक्शिंद है अगर ये मैं पाप ना करता तो फिर वो बक्शिंद तेरे किसी ने बक्शिंद हार नहीं करा दिया मैं अपराधी है तेरा तेल तेलदा � सच्चे दिलों अरदास करना ही प्यारे हो ढंग को खुद ही बख्शे तो आता है नहीं तो असी दुनिया दिया चीज़ा मंगल लगते हैं गुरु को ये अपने आप में उसी ये कहने ऐसी बड़े चंगे हैं ऐसी बड़े व्यासी हैं साढे घर का कौन है तो प्यारे हो जेड़े वो दे नर प्यार पा लेते हैं जेड़े उसमें समझ लेते हैं अर्दास निकलती है, उन्हें पता है कि साड़ी जिंदगी को बनाने वाला कौन है, यही है, जिंदगी जगह कोई चीज़ यही है, तो गुरु है, नाम है। I did not show off my meditation to him. I did not boast of all the work I was doing in the meditation. I just humbly requested to him with all my sincerity that, Oh Lord, I am nothing. I am just like a small piece of hay and you are a very huge mountain. And I am just a drop and you are a vast ocean. I am a sinner and you are the forgiver. And I do the sin every moment. And I am your thief of moment after moment. And you are the one who forgives me. If I would not do if I had not done all these deep, bad deeds, if I had not sinned, to whom you would have forgiven and how you would have, you would have been called as a forgiver. And uh, I do not have any merits in me, I do not have any qualities. You are full of the qualities. And you are gracious Lord and I am just a sinner. So I was requesting all this to him and all this was coming out sincerely from my heart. And because it was coming out sincerely, that is why he appreciated all that and he, he listened to all my prayer and he responded and he answered my prayers. Here once one can know the way of requesting and making prayers to him sincerely only if he blesses us with that kind of grace. And uh, those who make the prayers to him sincerely, they always get the answers to their prayers and he always blesses them with the way of making that kind of prayer. Because
because those people know that uh, who is the one who has made their life, they know that it is the master who has made their life and they were nothing. And if it was not because of the grace of the master, they would have been nobody. And because they know that the master is the only maker of their life, that is why by itself automatically the such kind of prayers come out from their heart with all their sincerity. question and answer session, somebody asked about pain and whether it was karma or whether it was um, what, what the source of it was. This uh, other selection is from that answer and um, I believe it was also about love too. Moreover, it is very important for a disciple to develop a true love for the Master. In the beginning, it is very difficult to develop a sincere love for the Master. But once you develop it, it comes like a storm. And then it becomes very difficult for the disciple to stop that love of the Master coming to him. And if we have that incredible and that strong force of the love coming, to us from the Master and if we have developed that kind of sincere love for the Master, that love also which we have for the Master helps us a lot in paying off the karmas. Swami Ji Maharaj ne kya siga ke satgur sharn gaho mere pyare karma jivat chukai. Swami Ji Maharaj had said that, oh dear ones, we take refuge at the feet of the Master because he is the one who will make you pay off all the karmas. ਜਸਾਡੇ Dear ones, when the true love for the Master is manifested within us and when that raging storm form of the fierce love comes to you, then such a dear one cannot live without sitting in the meditation and all the karmas or whatever is blocking his progress, that all is washed away by that force of the love and he becomes the perfect one, he enjoys the grace of the Master within and without. Mahatma Chatardas and initiator Baba Sahanjinji used to say that I am so much accustomed to the love of my master that now I do not have any desire to move the rosary or do any other thing. The dear one who has developed and manifested such a true love for the master 
He does not want to do anything of this world. He does not want to move the rosary. He does not want to do any other thing. He always wants to sit in the meditation and wait for the darshan of the master. And he always waits for that precious moment when he can have the darshan of his beloved master. <coughs> Dear ones, to utter the word Naam is very simple because it is a very short name, short word and in Punjabi if you want to write it down, it only takes two alphabet but it is the cause of the all cre whole creation, it is the life of Almighty Lord and it has created and it is sustaining all the Khans, Brahmans and all the ground divisions of this creation and nothing happens in this world without the power of the Naam. It is like the word ocean seems to be a very small word but you know that it is very difficult to uh, measure the depth, length and breadth, the width of the ocean. It is a very huge thing in the same way. Naam is not a very small thing. It is the cause of all creation and it is the only thing which is creating and maintaining the whole of creation. So Guru, Angad Dev Ji Maharaj That's all I have. Thank you. I'll be real quick. Uh, well, just the, the the essence of of my experience was this: that really a lot of people were upset that uh, there were the bomb threats. Uh, some people definitely said so, and. If uh, if I have anything to offer with that, it's it's that um, being a um, crash veteran, I understood Master's grace, and I had no doubt that it was going to be present if there was another crash in which I was involved, and so I felt pretty comfortable with it, and I felt it was it was all right, and there were some people who were really nervous and really upset and they didn't know what was going to happen and I understand that a lot of people when they are made aware of this might think twice about what's involved in going to India and so what I would like to to offer is that uh, if you want to go you know you just go and if you're going to live you're going to live and if you're going to die you're going to die <laughs> And what uh, what really uh, brought home um, how some people were feeling, because as as I said, I was I was quite at ease. And when we thought it was going to be nine days, I was able to live with that. I says, "Well, we're getting nine days with the master. That's just really great." And I, it just so happened, just to cut his story short, that there was a person who was nervous, sat between Richard and I, and um, was kind of uptight, and I did offer to change seats with her after um, after England, and uh, uh, that she could have the window seat because I kind of sensed 
she wanted that, and then I had the window seat, and I says, you know, would you like that? And, and uh, well, uh, she took it, and, and big mistake. And uh, we're looking out the window. She's looking out the window, and she sees the vapor trail. And, I mean, I thought that, you know, she, or that some people would be able to kind of handle it with not so much, um, uh, without quite being so upset. And, and basically, she said, can you identify that? So I looked, and it's a simple question, and I gave her a simple answer. Yeah, that's that's the vapor trail. Sat back on my seat, and she says, well, are you sure? Now, see, if you want somebody to validate your misery, you ask the wrong person. And I looked out, and I says, yeah, that's a vapor trail. Either that or we're all going to die. <laughs> That's really how I feel. Now, if looks could kill, <laughs> flight Air India 111 would have fell from the sky. And I understood really how nervous and upset the person was. And I just felt that even though it possibly might have seemed rather glib or nonchalant, I felt... I had been in situations that I know the sound of crunching metal and tinkling glass as you're losing consciousness. And if I have what I feel is a good attitude about it, I earned it. It wasn't given for free. And so with that in mind, it's easy to trust the master because he's never failed. And so those people who become aware of what went on just to get there on the trip, um, it's okay. I mean, that's what ha had to happen this time. And my attitude is, I mean, we, we were saved from the bomb threat. We were saved from the second bomb threat. We were saved from turning over. And I want to tell you, you look back, I mean, that was, it looked like more than a 45 degree angle. It should have gone. If we would have had luggage in a top with a full bus, it would have had to have gone. It didn't. With all of that, I mean, I was so happy. And then when we get there, he says, he said specifically, he was going to ask for us to get credit for three hours of meditation. I mean, that too. Uh, you know, and I felt like, is this a great path or what? <laughs> and and that, it just really, I mean, it just really carried me through, through the whole thing. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, all of this grace and that too. So, I mean, I, I, I've, I felt in a lot of ways kind of really jolly on this trip. And um, after Sanchi had made that comment that, well, you know, talking about the, the here and the hereafter, that, you know, according to this group, you know, there's a lot of misery that you want to leave behind. So when my interview came, I, I risked telling him a joke. Now, nobody wants to bomb in front of the master, but he, he did appreciate it. And, and I happened to read something that was very profound to me, and I understood it because it's, it's, it's been a long time. Um, I was initiated in 68, and he did say that just because uh, this is that 
um, this path is not like the Army, where you're promoted because you've, uh, just because you've been in for a number of years, and uh, the promotions are not automatic. And so I understood that, and, and, and it made a real impact on me because, you know, it's, it's been a long time, and, and I understand how much work has to be given. So I said to him, I says, well, I know, and I said, I just read that, and I said, I know promotions don't come with a lot of time just as uh, they are in the Army. I, I just read where you've where stated that. I says, however, when I sit for meditation tomorrow morning, if you want to leave a three-hour pass, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> so he, he liked it a lot, and, and he, left, uh, he left quite a bit. So, I, you know, for me, that, that was a lot of the trip. The one other, you know, it was, it was jolly like that, really, which, which was really nice because I've spent so many times just crying by the dung pit in other trips. And just, you know, it's the only place, basically, where nobody else goes so you can be alone. And, yeah, I've spent so much time there. And, and this time it was like, it was all right. It was like really nice. And it was like really a relief in, in, in some instances because uh, I've, I've, I've gone sometimes... Um, feeling like I was putting it on the chopping block. Is, is, is my karma going to lop it off or not? And so it was real nice to have that kind of jolliness. The, the one other thing that um, was uh, significant for me in the trip was that um, I, uh, uh, well, uh, I want to say first of all that on that last story that was printed in a magazine with my name on it, um, that was like a real mediocre story, and it was edited uh, by Dick Shannon, and I had no idea of, of the talent of this man, and, and really, and all of the things that he he uh, suggestions and everything. It was like, of course, why didn't I why didn't I see that? And it's just right, and and so uh, I mean, it was it was a tremendous thing, and I, I was very very impressed by his his dedication and, and, and his talent. And a, a number of people had asked me to put together uh, stories into one book, and I asked Sanchi about it. And uh, I says, you know, would he bless that? Uh, if, you know, because people had asked, and he says, yes, it should be done. And, and I had tried uh, twice to do other stories, uh, and nothing would work and I'm thinking and I, you know it's just like well I guess master put five in there and that's it those five are gone and that's the end of it and I and, and I did everything that I knew from my end that was possible and when I left that the private interview from the and I'm telling you, I tried real hard twice did all the research that everything just wouldn't work and by the time that I left his uh, his rooms walked down the stairs, walked into uh, my bunk, put down my stuff, and went into the meditation room. I had a complete story, just like that. So it was like, you know, uh, it, 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 it was clear to me how much he um, controls things, how much he is the one who, who is doing things, and all we have to do is have trust in him and have faith in him and we shouldn't worry about um, what's going to happen because what's going to happen is going to happen you know whether you are initiated or not and we are 
and it's you know it's it's a great path, isn't it? And and I and not once, not once in all those years and two decades can I find one time that he failed me. Not once. So like you know whatever we have to go through, and you know when it happens when we see that. Our sisters or brothers may be hurt, may be in an accident, may be near death. I mean, no doubt, the master is there, and whatever it is, I mean, whatever the karma is, he, he's, he's helped, he's made it better, and he has a plan, and he's going he's gonna to use that in a plan some way, and we, on our part, for our part, he's going to do everything on his part, for our part, we should just remember to keep the faith that 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 he that we should have in him, and and just uh, just not lose sight of who he is.